Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's July 31st. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays before we get into reaction from back together Saturday across the NFL. Uh, plus the Arizona Cardinals, Aaron Decker's report from camp let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question in regards to the arizona diamondbacks and the trade deadline that is tomorrow afternoon should the fading d-backs not be buyers before tuesday's trade deadline no continues to lead the way here at 53 percent of the vote yes trailing at 47 percent yeah, at worst, you think that uh, you certainly Mike Hazen has come up with a you know maybe a different plan. Uh, yeah, he mentioned the you know even like two weeks ago, uh, the week of the All Star Game, he mentioned the term that they're not going to be reckless. I I would think that they're not even going to come close to being reckless now because uh, they've had really, if you consider where they started the month and where they are now, they had one of the worst months in organizational history. Uh, when they've been a good team. Or maybe they aren't a good team. Maybe they just kind of trick people uh, and uh, had a lot of things go right for them. Uh, really, March through uh, June and uh, you know, in July, it's just kind of catching up to them. We will answer that question here shortly around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Will the Rangers win the American League after adding Max Scherzer? Uh, We remain in a 50-50 split between yes and no. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, certainly the money is on the Rangers now. Yeah, they were third amongst American League teams to win the World Series before they traded for Scherzer, and now they're number one. We'll also answer that question around 1130 today and still time for you to bust it out of its 50-50 tie over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Let's get into that NFL conversation back together Saturday. uh, The same took place for the Arizona Cardinals as it did for everyone around the league. Let's first get Aaron Decker's camp notebook report from the weekend. The Arizona Cardinals finished their first week of training camp over the weekend, practicing on Friday and Saturday and resting on Sunday. For Friday's practice, it was a low-intensity affair. Quarterback Colt McCoy led the first-team reps but didn't attempt any passes to wide receivers downfield. Head coach Jonathan Gannon said McCoy not throwing was part of the plan for camp, and by Saturday's practice, McCoy was back to throwing passes with the first team. Speaking of Saturday, Saturday's practice was far more intense for better or worse. Gannon said early on in camp that he had a zero-tolerance policy on fighting, and he was true to his word. On Saturday, Gannon ejected offensive lineman Dennis Daly and defensive lineman LJ Collier after they got into a scuffle during red zone drills. 
On the positive side, Saturday's practice showcased more new faces to the Cardinals roster, one being tight end Noah Togiai, who made a diving catch in the end zone to score a touchdown from Colt McCoy. Wide receiver Zach Paschal and rookie Michael Wilson continue to show flashes, but maybe the best play of the day was a play by quarterback Jeff Driscoll, who heaved a 60-yard pass while running toward the sideline to wide receiver Daniel Arias downfield. But despite some flashy plays, the offense did have some hiccups throughout practice. In one play, wide receiver Greg Dorge could not catch the incoming pass and tipped it right into the hands of a defender for an interception. The following play, running back Corey Clement fumbled the ball at the handoff, but luckily recovered the ball. But before we finish the camp notebook, here are some injury updates. Linebacker Myjay Sanders injured his hand during Thursday's practice and is still being evaluated. The Cardinals get back to camp on Monday, and I'll be sure to give you an update along with a look at what the Cardinals' defense is looking like early in the season. I'm Aaron Decker from the Arizona Cardinals training camp. I know everything so far has not been in pads. It's just been in shorts here so far. But I wanted your interpretation after listening to Aaron talk about uh, a couple of the miscues on the offensive side of the ball and your experience of watching camps, seeing how things go over the years. It's usual, it's typical for defenses to maybe have a leg up on offenses in the first of camp. And then maybe at some point things start to click for offenses, especially with everything being new verbiage, new uh, schemes, etc. Plus also in this particular case, stripping things down very bare and having to rebuild for the offense as well, that it's going to take some time for those offensive changes to take shape. Agreed. Even though, you know, when I was covering camp on a daily basis, whether it be in Flagstaff or Glendale, I seldom wrote anything down or paid much attention to anything until they put on pads, and they're putting on pads for the first time today. Uh, Yes, they are. In addition to that here, um, I'm curious to see, because Aaron has pointed out numerous times the name wide receiver Zach Paschal. He seems to be a name that's coming up frequently in camp. 17 games with the Eagles last year, 15 catches, 19 targets, 150 yards, one touchdown. And then at this point, how does that transition into pads? He's been in the league since I think 2018 or so. He's kind of bounced around Indianapolis, Philadelphia, etc. So for for Zach Paschal, though, in this particular wide receiver room, if there is some room for someone to kind of elevate their game in addition to rookie Michael Wilson and then, of course, Hollywood Brown. Well, Wilson's the one that seems to got he got Kyler Murray's attention. In fact, he got Kyler Murray's attention before the draft. I, uh, to me, the biggest things that came up, uh, you know, I wasn't there, obviously, over the weekend, but, you know, the uh, Kyler Murray press conference, which to my knowledge is the first one he's had since uh, at least with the local media since he went down with the knee injury uh, last December. And uh, he talked about, among other things, he used the word accountable. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that wonder if he had been accountable uh, a lot during his career. And uh, so that was uh, something that he mentioned with the new regime and so forth. He also uh, you know, talked about how he's not putting a timetable on himself. And then Buda Baker also met with the media uh, to my knowledge, once again, for the first time since uh, he supposedly, or I don't think there's any doubt about this, actually requested to be traded. That was back in February. Uh, he seemed to be happy. They did give him some more money in the last you know, few days here, so maybe that made, made him happy. But sounded like the same Buda Baker to me, and uh, he mentioned uh, 
he really complimented the new uh, you know coaching staff, general manager, front office, etc., uh, for uh, quote developing a great culture here. Uh, so that's a good thing, and uh, he says that he's he's all in. So to me, those are the two really. And the, the, I didn't really care what else happened, quite frankly, unless somebody got hurt. And I don't think they really you – know, the Sanders thing doesn't look good at all because it's been like three days. And they haven't really given us much of an update or any update since. That can be – if he was just – if he was okay, wouldn't they just tell us he's okay? But we're not real sure how, you know, the new coaching staff kind of deciphers and gives us injury, injury information at this point. Yeah, you mentioned there Kyler Murray meeting the media on Saturday, and I took some notes as well from his uh, press conference there of how he felt good uh, trying to learn as much as possible before he is ready to step back on the field. I mean, those were all things that I would expect him to say, trying to get mental reps and be able to spit out the calls. He says that the system is more wordy than what they have been accustomed to, so I thought that part stood out to me as well. And then in addition to that here, overall – Jonathan has changed the culture and according to Kyler and he mentioned this in a couple of different instances as well that it comes down to accountability and a communication in addition he took it a step further that uh, he said Jonathan really knows football Jonathan is teaching you football teaching you the scheme uh, he then expanded that it's about how it's being coached it's about the details everyone is on the same page knowing if there is a certain look whatever one's roles are to them when those looks are presented so uh i don't want to really go back to the previous regime i'm just going to focus here on what's going on with the new coaching staff here but it does sound like here kyler really likes uh the attention to detail and the way in which jonathan uh and the offensive coaching staff are really starting to hone in on what their expectations are from everybody on the offensive side of the ball okay i don't disagree with any of that but what's he supposed to say uh, you, you know, I, I, okay, you're right. What is he supposed to say? Obviously pretty glowing remarks for the new regime, but I just found it interesting, um, the level of detail that he went into uh, when Kyler isn't really known for a ton of detail about some of the things that he really seemed to f- be fond of with this new coaching staff. Okay, well... I'll believe the attention to detail from Kyler Murray when we actually see him play a few games and something doesn't go the way that they want it to go. And then uh, if he has to make a play which is just not based on completely his athletic ability, then I think, okay, maybe there's some attention detail there. But I'm not changing my mind about Kyler Murray over the last three or four years based on what he said on Saturday. I will also say, as I mentioned during the sports zone, uh, not since Bruce Arians was here has there been a more profanity-laced press conference than what I heard from Murray on Saturday. You know, I think it would be, to your point, um, reckless to completely just change opinion based upon some of the things that he did say on Saturday. I just took away from it that um, he, he likes the the new coaching regime. He likes what uh, and how things are being delivered to the group and that everybody is going to be on the same page and hopefully we see less confusion. But to your point, it all has to be matched up. What you hear from somebody also has to be delivered in actions. That's with anything 
doing in life. So, you know, we see we hear this here on Saturday. We're not going to get Tyler Kyler for a while. There is an undetermined timeline for him coming back on the field. But then we just have to kind of wait to see how it all unfolds. And I think there also has to be a little bit of a caveat, too, when you're trying to evaluate everything because of the things that we've talked about previously that uh, you've stripped down this roster here and you're kind of starting over. So kind of figuring out just talent in addition to what's detail orientated, et cetera, about how they're building this thing back up. Agreed. I agree with all that. So we'll get into much more with the Arizona Cardinals. Aaron Decker will have another report uh, as we continue on this week. And then, of course, the uh, red and white practice is scheduled for this Saturday. So we'll have more details about that later on in the week. We'll continue with more NFL discussion on the other side of the break. Updates from around the other 31 camps in the NFL. We'll also take your phone calls. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. 602 602- to 260 1060 uh, jo- Jonathan Taylor and this situation in Indianapolis seems to be uh, unraveling quite quickly so we'll get into that in addition to some uh, injury updates and more contract agreements agreed uh, on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime into the program. We'll continue with our NFL conversation from around uh, training camps across the league. But let's start with the saga that is certainly unraveling very quickly, and that is with the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Taylor, just as a refresher here, in 2021, he was a beast. 1,811 rushing yards, 18 rushing touchdowns. In 2022, played in 11 games. He had right ankle injury and then ended up going uh, to have surgery back in January. Obviously, the entire Indianapolis Colts team was a complete mess in 2022. So I kind of throw that out the window and focus in on obviously 2021 with Jonathan Taylor. We know about the owner, Jim Ursay's tweet about running backs and the NFL CBA, and uh, it's kind of been all downhill from there. Ursay said this to the media after apparently meeting with Jonathan Taylor in his uh, trailer or RV or whatever outside of uh, Indianapolis Colts practices for camp. Quote, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The NFL rolls on. It doesn't matter who cares and, and who goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Apparently, after this particular conversation that Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor had, Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade out of Indianapolis. 
My question here is, what market is there for Jonathan Taylor? He's an incredible, uh, c- incredible talent. You have then in general this, what I'm calling it, an attack on the running back position. You have the fact that the Colts would want a significant amount of compensation for Jonathan Taylor before they would go on to trade him. A team trading for him would have to give up all of that compensation and then be willing to pay him next year when his contract is up. I'd be really leery to pay him no matter what, whether he's in Indianapolis or Chicago or wherever he's supposed to be going. I heard the Bears mentioned immediately last night, uh, but uh, we'll see uh, if if anything happens with that. But he's been out. He had surgery in January, and I try to stay away from you know trying to question the injury situations. Uh, but we predicted, sort of predicted, that something like this might happen. This is a hold in, it appears. Uh, he wasn't around for any of the offseason uh, when he's obviously not participating now. Uh, same things going on in Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins, but it's not a big public issue because they don't have a moronic owner that just you know, says stupid stuff and non-stupid stuff or just likes to hear himself talk every five minutes. And Dobbins isn't completely blowing the gasket like Taylor is and requesting a trade, but the exact same thing seems to be going on in Baltimore and nobody's even mentioning that. Uh, that is true. They are not mentioning that. I guess they've had enough fill from the Lamar Jackson saga. That's true. Plus, you know, the media is all over this, and, you know, God bless the media, but they have to talk about something in July. And, you know, they actually showed on Saturday during the NFL Network uh, broadcast of their 12 straight hours at uh, Welcome Back to Training Camp or however they phrase that thing. Uh, they actually showed the trailer that they were meeting in at this very time. And uh, and then, after, you know, like an hour later, he's demanding a trade. Uh, the other th- I, I, requ- I guess he's requesting a trade. I, I wanted to, there's a big difference, I think, in some cases between demand and request, but he's apparently requesting a trade. The one thing that I was also thinking about, so one, you know, what's the market for Taylor just because of all of the surrounding circumstances regarding the running back market and then this particular situation that's going on in Indianapolis. But then what does this do to Anthony Richardson's progress? Because I would have to think that if you are Shane Steichen coming into this whole thing, that you would be relying a lot on the run game. You would be relying a lot on Jonathan Taylor. You'd be relying even as much if Anthony Richardson is the one getting the start or if it's four weeks into the season or whatever you'd be relying on his legs and his athleticism as he develops into being an NFL quarterback that this probably sets you back a little bit on having such a dynamic playmaker at the running back position and their offensive line declined more than many many uh, maybe any offensive line we've seen in long time uh, for one year to the next with basically the same players and it wasn't all because of injuries yeah, they just were awful last year, and it wasn't all because of the quarterback situation. They just weren't good. The people that grade those things, you know, kind of re- you know reflected that with their rankings. And just watching the Colts, it didn't take very long to realize, whoa, that guy just broke free. And uh, you know, that uh, you know, it didn't seem like uh, they had a whole lot of major injury issues uh, at that point. Uh, so that that's a 
that's a big deal there. I, I'm also a major skeptic about Richardson being successful at least this season. Uh, not an accurate quarterback at all in his less than I think it was 17 career starts he had in my at uh, at Florida, uh, less than 20 for sure. Uh, and uh, his accuracy, even on short passes, was bad. And going back to that uh, Saturday NFL Network coverage uh, that they had from Indianapolis, which was in like you know the second big block of the day for them on Saturday, uh, there were a whole lot of passes against error, uh, non-pads, just basically seven out of seven, seven on seven, some eleven on eleven, a lot of passes that hit the ground. So his accuracy, at least on Saturday, didn't look like it was very good. Small sample size on my part, but you don't see that. That is one thing that catches my attention uh, in the off season. If it's just you know shorts and and you know whatever is going on, you're not in pads, and there's a lot of passes that just are hitting the ground. That's not a good thing usually. One more thing on Anthony Richardson. Apparently, he had a procedure on his nose to correct his nasal septum, so he'll be missing a few practices. Uh, I I don't know what a few is, but that doesn't sound great to have any sort of surgery correcting anything regarding your nose. Um, And he he can't afford to miss any practices. He needs to be out there as much as humanly possible. But they have Gardner Minshew to bail them out. uh, I know how much you love Minshew mania. Oh, God, what a waste. (laughs) Uh, More updates from around camps. This coming in here today, not great news for the Denver Broncos. Wide receiver Tim Patrick. This is is bad. Yes, he was carted off with a left leg injury. Further updates is that they're fearing it is an Achilles injury. Uh, This guy, he just, uh, he can't remain healthy. No. Uh, I believe it was a knee last year. Yes. Um which happened like right about this time, if I remember correctly. Uh, he didn't play in any games, uh, so yeah, it, he was. He, he's he's a very talented player. He's not the fastest guy in the world, and you know probably uh, I'm sure that the metrics people hate him, but he just can play football, which you know the metrics people don't give a damn about whether you can actually play the game or not. I may be conflating these things in terms of, of injury related, but some it feels like I've seen this or heard this a couple of different times that when you do all the work to come back from an ACL injury, then your Achilles yeah. goes next. Um, that And I don't really know like the scientific reason behind it or if it just happens to be an unfortunate coincidence. Uh, but yeah, he did miss all of last season with that ACL injury and now uh, great fears that it's an Achilles for him now. Yeah, in fact, I just made a note over the weekend that Javante Williams and Tim Patrick were both there, apparently healthy, starting training camp, and obviously they both had serious injuries last year. They were not in the pup list, uh, which was a positive. Uh, so uh, uh, that's that. I saw that this morning. I just, yeah, I don't even know him. I couldn't spot him in a lineup if he sat in front of me. But, you know, just know enough about him, and I've watched him play with a helmet on enough uh, to know that uh, when, you know, when he's out there, he can play. And uh, he had some good moments a couple years ago when he was healthy. Uh, the other updates injury-wise from the Seattle Seahawks, we had just gotten done talking to Greg Bell on Friday yeah. about the Seahawks, and then Kenneth Walker has a groin injury, and he'll remain out for a while. Zach Charbonnet has a shoulder injury. His uh, definition here, more severe, out indefinitely. 
Yeah, well, the Walker thing, uh, yeah, he's had some injuries, whether it be Wake Forest, Michigan State, Seattle last year, and now this. So um, so that's uh, kind of uh, unfortunately, you know, whether it's fair or not, and a lot of people don't seem to think that uh, you can be injury prone. I think that's complete crap. I think you can be injury prone. And now we've seen so much of him in many different places where I think that has to be a concern. Uh, the Charbonnet thing, out indefinitely. Now, I mentioned uh, we don't know what the, uh, you know, we haven't seen enough from Jonathan Gannon yet to know how he is uh, translating injury information regarding the Cardinals. But we know that we cannot believe a word that Pete Carroll ever says about injuries, ever about anybody. The next on the around camp uh, in the NFL reports here, the Vikings have reached an agreement with Daniil Hunter. It's a one-year, $17 million guaranteed deal worth up to $20 million. In 2022 for the Vikings, 17 games, 65 tackles, and 10 and a half sacks. Uh, this is a really big deal. He's a really good player. Uh, he might be the best player in the league that hardly anybody ever talks about. Uh, so the fact that they got that solved and – yeah, they had uh, – actually, I thought that was the best thing I saw from the whole weekend, at least on the NFL Network part of things, that they had like a half an hour of Kevin O'Connell mic'd up during practice. I mean, it was the start of practice when, quite frankly, there's not a ton going on. It's just mostly special teams. But they had him the entire time when he was, you know, you know, you know kind of you know, bumping some guys up and say good job and whatever and – it was. I thought it was really good. I mean, as uh, there's a lot of worthless crap going on right now in July, and I don't, usually don't believe any, anything that any coaches say. It's just you know, a bunch of coaches and players for that matter. Uh, but he, that was good. And they talk, he talked about Hunter and how important it was to get him in there, and he kind of was pretty optimistic they were going to. And like the next day, uh, they did sign him to at least the one-year contract here. Uh, but he's a really good player. They lost a lot of players in the offseason defensively. Uh, Peterson and Kendricks and Tomlinson off the top of my head come to mind. Uh, so it's especially important that they have Hunter in there and he got paid at least for this year. Yeah, the Vikings are going to be an interesting squad here because a lot of times you see regression just based upon, you know, how many games they won in as close fashion as they did. Then you just mentioned all the different players that they lost, uh, but you still have Justin Jefferson, who is a dynamic playmaker. Uh, but defensively here, there's questions, offensive line, some questions as well. So it's just kind of going to be interesting to see how things unfold in this NFC North with the expectations of the Lions the which kind of seems to have surpassed the expectations of the Vikings and then the unknowns of the Packers and the still development process from the Bears. Well, if you watch the NFL Network on Saturday, the Lions and the Jags are going to the Super Bowl. So uh, every every expert they have on their quote unquote expert seems to think that those are the two best teams on planet Earth. So you know, just book your reservation there. Book the you know, book you, know, you find a, a bookie. And uh, according to them, you can just bet on Jacksonville and Detroit in the Super Bowl. Which is going to be played in Las Vegas. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of... I could bet on, I could bet on that part. Uh, the New England Patriots had a visit from Ezekiel Elliott over the weekend here. Ramadre Stevenson is running back number one, but they did lose Damian Harris, and there isn't a whole lot of... Um, 
production. Uh, they, they don't have any running backs. They have they have a ninety man roster roster, and they have five running backs. Yeah. Uh, so, would you be in favor of Ezekiel Elliott coming to the Patriots? I'd be in favor of him going anywhere. Uh, he's a good short yardage guy. He is still a A plus pass blocker. And that is a really big deal, especially for a young quarterback like Mac Jones, uh, who I'm obviously skeptical about, but nobody else, everybody else seems to, yeah, he's right up there with, uh, you know, the NFL network people. Uh, as you know, they, they probably think he's the best quarterback in the league up there with Jacksonville and, uh, and Detroit going to the Super Bowl. You know, Mac Jones is the best quarterback on planet Earth. Uh, you know, everybody seems to forget that he wasn't any good at all at the end of his rookie season. And then, yeah, last year, everything was uh, the fact that they didn't have an offensive coordinator, which was part of it for sure. But like I said, even that first year when he was good, when teams played him a second time, they certainly, he was not nearly as effective. And he was also, you know, he, he completely, totally lost that one. I don't remember if it was a Thursday night game or a Sunday night game or whatever night game. It was a night game in prime time. He totally lost that game against the Colts with just some stupid plays. And then last year, obviously, there was some doubt in the in the organization. Brady Zappi got a run, and he's not any good at all. Uh, yeah, so, I, well, one, the big news is that Mac and Bill Belichick aren't screaming at each other during camps, so there's at least progress there. And then, two, I was thinking about Ezekiel Elliott when I saw that he made the visit, how porous the Patriots were at red zone efficiency and yes I think a lot of that had to do with just who was calling the plays I also think they don't really have kind of that like big body person to be able to to handle uh you know just kind of throwing it up to somebody down there so some innovation down there in the red zone but then also just being able to have somebody like Ezekiel Elliott who has a knack for the end zone so I thought to myself well maybe that could work Agreed. And Stevenson fumbled a bunch of times inside the 20-yard line last year, too. Don't remind uh, which me. Which did not help. Now, one thing is you, know, you mentioned that Mac and Bill aren't yelling at each other. Apparently, Matthew Judon and Bill might be yelling at each other because Judon wants a new contract. Fair enough. Uh, and Bill, the general manager, makes things very tough when you want a new contract. Uh, the other thing in good news for the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, uh, another milestone yeah. for him today, participating in his first padded practice since the cardiac arrest that he suffered back on January 2nd in that Bengals game. And uh, just great continued news for him and his progress, but also just incredible uh, mental toughness and just the ability to play without this fear to to be able to kind of put all of this aside and to continue to do what you love to do and getting back out there and uh, so that's a great thing for Damar Hamlin his family teammates and the Bills organization no doubt about that the other thing from Bills camp is you know, Josh Allen they're talking uh, once again I swear we've heard this in the last couple of years he's gonna take less hits and run less this year I'll believe that. Uh, get back to me that. Uh, get back to me on that when we get to like October, and let's see if he's actually running less. You would hope, but there's also that element of Josh Allen just seems to be ultra competitive, and in certain modes, he just he he doesn't he he doesn't avoid contact. He looks for contact. The other thing is, if their offensive line was better, he wouldn't have to run as much. 
That's also true. It's poll question time. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. KDOS1060.com's poll question regarding the Arizona Diamondbacks ahead of the trade deadline and the Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060, the American League and the Rangers with their trade of Max Scherzer. We dive into it next. It's the extra point right here on KDOSAM1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's dive into it as we typically do in this segment, the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Should the fading Diamondbacks not be buyers before Tuesday's trade deadline? Yes or no? Uh, I'm on a strict no side here. Uh, obviously, we've gone through for weeks now uh, their decline, which I really think the last time they played a high level of baseball was in mid-June. And the numbers in July, unfortunately, have uh, gotten you know, far worse. You can pretty much pick out anything, whether it's pitching, offense, base running, even defense, uh, which is still good numerically but they you know, had lots of uh, boneheaded decisions and you know some physical mistakes also in addition to that so uh, throw that all together and I also mentioned that I, a lot of the Diamondbacks supposed targets as far as you know, relief pitching and starting pitching those guys have already been traded the last two or three days here so throw out together we'll see and I, uh, you know, I know that you, know, you maybe you don't want to send a bad message to your fan base and so forth, but um, I wouldn't give up anybody uh, that means anything on this team in the future uh, to give anything to get anything right now in return. No matter what it is, I just don't see how they could you know, swing a deal that a difference-making player would be coming in here and. Yeah, maybe they are concerned about the the attendance thing. They had great attendance over the weekend with the kids' weekend and all that. It's unfortunate when you have that many people in the ballpark that you don't play better because sometimes people that aren't in the ballpark all the time, when you put out a nice product, they want to come back. I can't imagine anybody that was there on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of the, or any time last week, but especially the big three big crowds they had over the weekend – that dude just kind of said, "Woo, I want to go watch that team play again. They were actually went lucky to win the game on Saturday night and really were finished after the first inning on Friday and Sunday. Uh, I have also noticed uh, just their promotional moves here. Uh, the last, uh, you know, it's not like, come see Corbin Carroll and Zach Gallen face the Padres. It's the, come, the, the Padres are here. The Padres of all teams. The Padres are here. That's like the next homestand. And that seems to be the main emphasis of their you know, marketing campaign to get people in the ballpark now. Uh, yeah, so my answer is going to stay the same here. That uh, unless you can get someone in 
in a trade that you have financial control over for beyond this year, and it's going to help be a part of building blocks for the future, uh, then if that's the case, I can say consider it. That being the case is incredibly hard to make that happen right now. So with what's probably likely uh, on the table here, I would say no, don't don't move some pieces here that are pretty foundational. Uh, you might have a better option in the offseason to try to see in totality here what you need, which is obviously starting pitching. It's obviously relief pitching. We know that. But to be able to get uh, better pieces here in the offseason to make some moves, free agents, etc., that maybe that's a better plan toward your building your building blocks, that maybe uh, things got started off in, uh, you know, the process process of building here seemingly took off a little bit earlier than we thought it was going to take off at the beginning of the season. And now things have really kind of hit the skids here as we've come into the month of July and even heading into the all-star break. So I would say that don't be discouraged. There's still a lot of great pieces here, a lot of great building blocks. Uh, so don't go and disrupt that apple cart of what you're building. Uh, you know what you need, but a rental piece is not, uh, I think, the best solution. Uh, I'll agree with that, and I'll just add in, I think they need some offense here suddenly, too. Um, you know, they're not uh, scoring runs. They're running, uh, their situational heading has been atrocious. Uh, Guriel, who has, was great for the first, what, two months of the season, kind of, his season's kind of reflected the Diamondbacks' season. Uh, yeah, he's gone bad, and they've gone bad. Uh, and uh, they need a third baseman if they wanted to add an offensive piece, but I don't really have an answer for who might be available that would make a difference as a third baseman. You know, Longoria is now on the injured list, and plus I actually think he would be a candidate for DFA anyway. He's not offering much other than, you know, team leadership and veteran presence, which I understand plays a role. But if that's the only reason he's on the roster, you should find somebody else that helps you win more games. The masses are on the yes side of things at 58% of the vote, no trailing at 42%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Of course, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, will the Rangers win the American League after adding Max Scherzer? Uh, they've added a lot, not just Scherzer, right? They've added Jordan Montgomery. They've added Stratton. If you want to even throw in there that they've added Aroldis Chapman from earlier on in the year, they've identified things and they're definitely Definitely all in and going for it. Um, they're in a prime position to excel. They're leading their division. Um, but I think Scherzer has to be more consistent. We've seen this year 4.01 ERA this season, 121 strikeouts, 30 walks. Last year, he ended up with a 229 ERA, 173 strikeouts, 24 walks. I think it's a culmination of things for this team for if they're going to win the American League. I don't think it's just one Max Scherzer, but I do think that he overall needs to be a little bit more consistent. The Max Scherzer that we maybe more expect Max Scherzer to be, and then obviously the Rangers are sitting in in great position. Uh, I'm completely against this idea. I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that uh, you know they've shot to the top of the. Uh, I'm I'm not totally amazed because he's a name guy and all that, but yeah, you mentioned this year's numbers. I'll go back. The last three times he's pitched in the postseason, he has faded at the end of the postseason. 
wasn't even available for some of the postseason and the, the year is with Washington when they actually won the World Series uh, and so forth and yeah he wasn't particularly good for the Mets last year the, the Dodgers the year before that uh, so you know I, I've asked from time to time in fact I even asked it in pipeline form here earlier this year as he shot and I, I still not convinced, uh, convinced that he's back or good or you know a difference maker at this part of his career. So we'll see. But uh, you know, if Houston adds a pitcher, I'd love to see them add Verlander. But then again, everybody would be racing to their local bookie, I assume, if they added Verlander and brought him back. And that's he's been mentioned as a possibility there. Yeah, you know, I, I wish that Houston was playing a little bit better right now. Um, a little, you know, their defense has been shockingly bad of late, including, you know, established players shockingly bad over the late, of late including yesterday against Tampa. But, uh, you know, I would, uh, it wouldn't take much for me to, you know, suddenly favor Houston to win the American League again. Well, wouldn't that be something, though? Former teammates now uh, battling it out in the division, uh, a completely different division than they were just a few yeah. weeks ago. That would be kind of interesting. Um, anyway, though. And then Verlander returning to Houston, too. Yeah, that's what I meant. If, if Verlander went to Houston battling it well, out I again. Mean, Right, but I mean, just him going back to Houston, even wasn't the Scherzer thing, is a huge deal, in my opinion. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, the masses, though, were unable to uh, make up their mind. They're in a 50 50 split on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, we'll see, though, where Justin Verlander ends up. It does sound like from uh, comments that he made after Sunday's game that he is going to be in reevaluation mode after Max Scherzer's trade. And it's interesting because because of the timeline for Scherzer as well, is that uh, he had a, he had some comments himself on Friday, had a meeting with management, and then boom, was off to Texas shortly thereafter. So kind of interesting how quickly all of that came together. After they traded David Robinson during the rain delay on Thursday night. We wrap up this Monday, July 31st edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. He, of course, is Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. One more segment to go here on KDOS AM 1060. AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Ben Say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Wrapping up this Monday, July 31st edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip through the cracks. Also, we thank our guest today, Bob Nightingale. Busy man, that Bob Nightingale. So thanks for about 15 minutes of his time uh, the day before the trade deadline. Bob said maybe he's going to root of, you know, not say he probably wants to not uh, mention that he said this, but 
Didn't think there's going to be a lot going on today, but tomorrow could be interesting. So we'll see if that happens. But uh, trade deadline update uh, and preview with Bob. Also, uh, special thanks, as is uh, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla is going to tell us uh, sound the courtesy of, and she's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Major League Baseball, WCBS 880. Fox and CBS sound courtesy of coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060 at a sports map radio network from noon to one o'clock, followed by the Doug Gottlieb show from one to three, the Rich Eisen show from three to five, the sports suit with Dave Rooster Beerstein from five to six, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from six to seven and James out west from seven to eight tonight. Uh, the Diamondbacks are taking on the San Francisco Giants. Ryan Nelson going for the D-backs. It's a 645 p.m. first pitch. Head on over to dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that you are supported with. Uh, bad news for more running backs with the Indianapolis Colts as Zach Moss is reportedly suffered a broken arm today at training camp. Uh, so he could miss four to six weeks uh, with that broken arm. And this is, of course, on the heels of everything that's been going on with Jim Ursay and uh, running back number one, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I actually forgot Zach Moss was on there. I forget he was part of the the uh, trade with the Bills last year, but uh, he's had a couple decent moments in the league. I actually thought he'd be a better player in the NFL. I thought he'd be a better player in Buffalo. Maybe it was a Buffalo thing. But what? he's going from one offensive line that I'm not thrilled about to one that's just straight, uh, basically bad now. Reports here that uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball with K-Rod could be nearing its conclusion as Alex Rodriguez... Aww is reportedly nearing a contract extension with Fox that would be exclusive to Fox. Hollywood Reporter reporting that it would be the most lucrative in MLB analyst history. So we'll see once that gets uh, finalized with Fox what those numbers are. That'll do it. How stupid are they? That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point, the sports zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 9 a.m.